the stories of entrepreneurs and how they overcame the struggles and challenges to get where they are today. This is Believe in the Entrepreneur with Joel Sandoval, CPA. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Believe in the Entrepreneur. And I'm super excited because I have the one and only Jesse Rojas in the house. Jesse, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. Awesome, man. So for those that don't know Jesse, he's actually the CEO of the Red Group LLC, which is basically responsible for offering consulting services for human resources, public relations, and political consulting. But Jesse, for those that don't really know who you are, um, you know, why don't you take it back? Because obviously, based on your your story, you didn't even graduate high school yet. You're a successful entrepreneur. So why don't you bring it back to us of how you how you got to where you are today? Sure, absolutely. I um, moved to California with my parents when I was 11 years old to uh, Delano, California. Uh, that's when I started learning about agriculture. I didn't really know much about agriculture back in Mexico. I'm from uh, Colima, Mexico. Uh, oh, okay, so right by the coast. Yeah, uh, uh, great weather. It's basically like the Florida, Mexico. There we go. I think that's a great weather. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, when we moved here, uh, my mom is uh, an accountant. Okay. Uh, and uh, they worked at a cold storage in Delano and table grapes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my background has always been into computers, IT. I've always kind of been techie at heart. Uh, I remember the days of hacking my neighbor's dial-up internet back in Mexico. Yeah. When I was, you know, like five, six years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the times have changed a lot, obviously, now with technology. Right. I'm trying to catch up even more. <laughs> uh, but when we moved here, um, growing up in Delano, growing up in agriculture, I um, developed a love for the community and agriculture. I mean, you know, that's one of our biggest industries in the Central Valley. For sure. Um, we And we feed the world on top of that. Yep. Um, so when I what I did was I, I was always into school. I'm a big believer of education. Okay. A lot of times because you hear, you know, drop out. Mm-hmm. You think something like that, but no, I, I've always loved education. I was a book smart kid, mm. you know, kind of almost straight A's for the most part till I hit high school. Mm. Um, and, <laughs> uh, my parents also, the other reason for coming to the United States or California is because they thought, well, you can master your English and obviously it's the United States. So better schools. Right. This is a, actually a very interesting uh, f- a fact that a lot of people don't know, but so, you know, I grew up middle income you know, just paycheck to paycheck in Mexico, like most people, right? Mm-hmm. But my mom was always big on academics, um, had had very high expectations when it came to academics. Yeah. So I actually started going to school, and I mean full curriculum school, mm-hmm. when I was just two years old in Mexico. Oh, private wow. School. So she always believed in private schools. Mm. And so she enrolled me in private schools when I was a little kid. Uh, believe it or not, in British private schools in Mexico. Really? So when I came here, I used to say trousers. Not underwear. <laughs> I used to say those words because I grew up, you know, almost 11 years with that curriculum, that oh wow, that that, that culture. <clears throat> the British so, language, yeah. Yeah, so that's why it was funny we were talking about James Bond because I love James Bond also because of that culture, mm. right? Um, and then we came here, and to be honest with you, um, so I, I, they always worked in Delano, but we couldn't find housing in Delano, so we moved to Wasco. So I, I grew up my first years of going to school in Wasco. Okay. Um, and... I was very disappointed. I did not like the education system. Mm. Um, I didn't like that I was forced to be in English language learning classes, mm. even though my English was not perfect. Mm-hmm. But I was way ahead of other kids when it came to knowledge and curriculum. Gotcha. And I felt like I was being dragged back, like I was mm. just wasting my time. Right. And I didn't like it. And I had a lot of bad experiences and things like that, you know, bullying or whatever, things like that. You know, mm-hmm. nothing 
I'm not a people, whatever, <laughs> but you know, everybody goes through that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I was like, what am I doing, mom? I just want to go back. You know, I don't like, I don't feel like I'm mm-hmm. growing. And then she's like, well, I'll give it a shot, you know, give it more time. You know, it's been three years. By then it was like, you know, I was going to go into high school. Mm. And she's like, well, why don't we move to Delano, start fresh? So then we moved to Delano, like actually living in Delano. And then I, so, so I did half of my freshman year in Wasco, mm-hmm. which was, I was a tiger. Okay. And then I moved to Delano High, so I was still a tiger. Mm. Um, and it wasn't any better the experience. Mm. Um, I don't think public school, you hear this a lot, but was for me. Right. Some horrible experiences with some counselors and teachers. Mm. Although I did have some great teachers. Right. But now that I'm my, I think my worldview and my things have expanded, I see that a lot of times it's not that we lack talent in education or healthcare, whatever you want to call it. It's kind of the system. Right. It's set up to fail. Yeah. Right? And I love to get more into that. So I try my best. In fact, I even took college classes at BC campus in Delano in the afternoons so that I could graduate earlier. Mm. So I was set to graduate high school about a year earlier, my junior year. Oh, wow. And I still dropped out. I was fed <laughs> up. I remember I used to ditch classes, uh-huh. not to go do what most people do when they go ditching. I would just go home and Google, how do I start an LLC? How do I start my own IT business? Really? Yeah, that's what I used to do. Oh, wow. Uh, so to my teachers that are watching or hearing this, it wasn't you. It was just, you know, I, I was trying to the find system. something else. Yes. Um, and then I dropped out uh, middle of my junior year. Um, didn't know what I was going to do. I still attempted to continue school. Okay. I did it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, there was a program with Kaplan. Okay. Where, you know, kids that, you know, were like in sports or think they didn't have the time to be inside of a classroom all day long. Mm-hmm. So I did it and I still didn't finish it. I just lost my love for ac- traditional education. Got it. I still continue to educate myself. I still do it today, right? Books and seminars and things like that. Mm-hmm. But just traditional, it didn't work out for me. And, um, I dropped out, started my first IT business. Like I said, that's my background. And then, I, you know, I've done a lot of things since then, you know, sales and marketing. And, uh, but by the way, I did uh, get my high school diploma. Oh, okay. And not a GED. I got a high school diploma online from uh, University of Pennsylvania. They offer a program that was a couple of years ago. Mm. And part of the reason is because uh, I, I finally be- became a citizen. Oh, I see. Yeah. So nice. Congratulations. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's something. Uh, I love this country. I don't think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for this country. Right. And it's funny that you say that because you actually wanted to leave this country because the education system was not the not the best. And it's funny because I actually was kind of blind to that for and I think most people are probably blind to that because for me I actually you know my 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 just like similar to your mom my mom was very big on ac- academics and so she always encouraged me to hey get straight A's uh, go to college and become some become someone from yourself but i didn't realize that you know the educational system you know it doesn't really teach you what you actually need to know in life to succeed it just teaches you basically how to dot your t or cross your t's dot your i's you know how to be you know do mathematics but it's like the application of that is what is important it's like how am i going to use use this in life there's no teach no no um, classes on entrepreneurship or money or how to make you know sales or marketing mm-hmm. the actual skills that are actually going to make you successful you know it's, it's interesting you say that uh you know i talked to a lot of people that we think like that and, and and we went through the same and it's absolutely correct um you look at traditional public school system there's some great private schools and in, in different things out there in my opinion too you know there, there's some good options but for the most part i mean 
you know how many times I've had to, in my last 15-year entrepreneurial career, have had to reference the Scarlet Letter or Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe? Never. Not right. one single time. Right. Right? And I was the kind of kid in English class that I would question the teacher and say, so we're done with the school year. We went through this English book, mm -hmm. a lot of stories, a lot of stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And at the very end, there's, I don't know if it still exists today, but at the very end, there was a small section that said how to write your resume, how to do the basic, like, mm. you know, real life stuff. Right. And we never go through it. We would mm. skip it. We would stop <laughs> there after we read all the poetry and all the other philosophical stuff, which is great to those that like that, but it's not going to help you much in real life. Right. <laughs> uh, and I always wonder why. Yeah. And, and, you know, even in Delano High, mm -hmm. there was a teacher that I would go to her class. I didn't have her class, mm -hmm. but I, she started an entrepreneurship class. Okay. But I would go to her class on my own because I care more about that mm. than my normal, you know, classes during the day. Right. But even then, I remember having conversations with her mm -hmm. where she wanted to do more. She thought she can think outside the box mm -hmm. and cater to her class, mm. you know, not everybody, not one size fits all. Right. Right. Some people do need a teacher in front of them to learn. And that's okay. There's different ways to learn. Right. I personally didn't. I'm more of an independent learner, mm -hmm. you know, independent doer. Mm -hmm. So I didn't need that. So, but the system wouldn't allow her to be coming up with her own ideas on how to teach. The wow. It had to be, you know, by the book. Wow. And I think that's part of the biggest problem all around. I mean, we can get into details of why our public education system is not good. Mm -hmm. But I think overall it's because it has to be by the book. It doesn't allow teachers because we got some great teachers. Right. But it doesn't allow them to have any autonomy mm. on application based on their kids and their classroom. That's crazy. So one size doesn't fit all ever. Yeah. Right. That's crazy that you say that because it's almost like they're they're directing you to be a certain way. When really the things that have made a difference in our lives, like Bill Gates that created computers or Netflix that basically started streaming movies, they all came from these ideas or these ways of thinking outside the box. But the school system's like, hey, we don't allow that type of thinking. This is the curriculum. This is what you're going to teach. And if you go outside of that, it's not allowed. You're 18 years old today and you get out of high school. And it's really sad. I mean, I thought, I'm a millennial. Mm -hmm. I thought my generation was not that good. But honestly, I look at the new generations and it's scary. <laughs> you get out in most of these kids. Don't get me wrong. There are some different kids out yeah. there. There's some different people. But most of them don't know what a 401k is. Don't even know how to open up a bank account. Right. Don't know how to fill out a basic form, financial form. None of right. those things. Right. And in my personal experience... I think what made me where I am today with my learning or the way I think it's because I dropped out of high school and I had to face the real world early. Mm, right. Right. Most. And I, and I count some of my friends that went through through schools, through universities. They changed their degree. They changed their mind two, three times. Why? Because you can just do it. Right. You can live in the system for 10 years in the school system and not face reality mm -hmm. until you're in your late 20s. Mm -hmm. Because it's also funded, right? Most school is free for most people. Right. So you don't have nothing. There's no sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. If most businesses, when you started, it was all self-funded and you don't have to come up with, with the money on your own and the risk on your own. Right. Everybody wouldn't be in business for unlimited times. Right. You know, <laughs> it is the same with schools. And, 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 but I'm also a big believer in vocational trainings because 
I know a lot of friends who make a lot more money and a lot more successful in in their trade skill, their vocational skill set, either be industrial automation or oil or, or whatever that might be, engineering or whatever that might be, than other people who did the traditional four-year university and they're not even working in what they study, mm-hmm. right? So we need to invest more in those type of areas. And, and, and I think that's one area where, because of different things that happened, I got involved in politics and I got to see more on what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Because like it or not, you know, uh, you know, coming from Mexico, a very corrupt country. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom worked in politics almost all her life too, so I got to see that. And came to California, and then I started to see a lot of things and started to question a lot of things. I always ask questions. I always question That's everything. That's good. Um, I think everybody should do that. Yeah, I think you should question everybody. Right, you should question everything, and there's no excuse for not knowing an answer. I mean, we all got a smartphone now. Right, and I started questioning, saying, you know, I remember I used to tell my mom. Mom, this California is starting to remind me a lot like Mexico. <laughs> you know, I thought we came here because we wanted something different. Right. You know, it's not like we came here for the food, mm-hmm. you know, and we yeah, came here true. because <laughs> it's a better country because you can work your butt off yeah. and build something for yourself, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't believe at all that I would be able to do what I do today mm-hmm. in Mexico. Right. Right. Because in, in most other countries, if you're not well connected, you're not from a good family, you don't already have a lot of money or a lot of connections it's really hard to make it on your own right? with an idea. right? And in my opinion, only in this country can you have an idea and start from scratch. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, a lot of the most successful people in the world, they just had a crazy idea that no one believes in, and they just work really hard to make it happen. right? So I think if most people started doing that, questioning things around them, mm-hmm. questioning what they're learning, expanding, just being open-minded, mm-hmm. having dialogues, but having dialogues also with people that you disagree with. Right. That would change a lot of what schools lack doing with our kids. Mm. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think what you said, one of the things that you mentioned that I think is is, is so true is you, you, you credited your success to the fact that you started your real life or the real world at a very young age. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you an example. Like I actually met with a, a cousin of mine who didn't go the traditional route. He was always kind of like the the cousin that was always doing, like not listening to his parents. And I was the opposite. I always like obeyed my parents. And so he started his entrepreneurial journey when he was 18. And I started my entrepreneurial journey when I was, let's do the math, 29. And he has probably 10 times the success that I do with no education where I'm like, what the hell is going on? I have a four-year degree. I have my CPA license, and I'm not nearly as successful as this guy who hasn't even had. I, I don't even know if he graduated high school as well. And it's the and he said the reason that I that I have the success is because I started when I was 18. And so if you really do the math, I mean, he's 11 years ahead of me. How am I supposed to catch up to the the actual real world skills of sales, which I didn't learn until I started my business? And marketing, which I didn't learn until I started my business. All I knew was how to do tax returns. That's not going to actually make me successful. All it is is I know how to do a tax return. And so those entrepreneurial skills of sales, marketing, system operation, a lot of people actually don't appreciate how important that is to your success. And that's what you said you've credited your success to. Absolutely. I I remember, you know, going through personal development, you know, when do they teach about personal development in, in, in school, right? Time mm-hmm. management and leadership skills and, you know, books like that. Never. I didn't actually, I, I don't think I was ever exposed to that other than my mom making me read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, she made me read it in Spanish and then I read it in English. <laughs> but, um, and I remember 
the only reason why I was exposed to bettering myself through personal development uh, and becoming a junkie of business books and seminars, it's because of direct sales companies I was involved with, right? Mm. And I remember, you know, saying, wow, this is really what matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start thinking on a day-to-day basis, all most of the knowledge I had through most of my classes, I'm hardly ever going to need it. Maybe web design because of my techie background. But other than that, there's really nothing else. Right. And by the way, you don't have to be good at everything. I think that's the problem with traditional education. They want you to learn a little bit of everything. You mm-hmm. don't have to. I mean, in business, think about it. In business, if you're the best in your team, you got a problem. Mm-hmm. Leadership means you just lead, you hire the best, you mm-hmm. motivate the best, mm-hmm. you build the best team, but your team makes you. Right. You don't have to be the best at everything. I am horrible at numbers. <laughs> horrible. Extremely horrible. My mom laughs all the time because she doesn't count. She's been on count her life, <laughs> but I'm horrible. I mean, I literally had to put together numbers that we're going to discuss later because I really would get them wrong. Oh, wow. But then I had to realize in business, I don't have to be good at that. If I'm horrible at numbers, I'll hire the best CPA. Right. If I'm horrible at dealing with taxes or whatever, I'll hire the best tax attorney, right? Yep. You don't have to be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. You just have to be good at what you are good at and amplify that. And then whatever your weaknesses are, I have a lot of weaknesses. I make up for them by having a good team of people that help me with that. Yeah, 100%. And and, and that's basic business, basic everything that you don't learn in the traditional world out there. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Now, you you mentioned that your mom made you read rich dad, poor dad, when you were in Spanish first and then in English. But is that the reason that you kind of knew, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur? Because I wasn't exposed to this until I was like, I already had my bachelor's degree. I already had started, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. And I'm like, hey, you shouldn't climb the corporate ladder. You should own the ladder. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm like, this is, I'm I'm obviously not doing the right, the right, you know, things that I should be doing. So like, but you, you knew that at a young age. I'm glad you're asking me that. It's been a long time since I've shared that, that, that part of my life, um, except for people that have known me since I was in middle school. But, you know, when you think about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs, I don't think you're either born with it or you're not. I think it could be developed. Like I said, when I was little and I loved schools, academics, this was my vision. My vision was go to Harvard go to Oxford, mm-hmm. become a doctor, become a whatever, you know, the usual thing, which is great. Right. Nothing wrong with that. And then I think it was a combination of life thing. This is where I, I love to say 10% is what happens to you and 90% is how you react to it. You don't have to become a product of your environment. We all know a lot of successful people who come from the worst areas, grew up in the worst neighborhoods, went through worse things than me and you combined. And they're, like you said, 10 times more successful than we are. Right. And I love that because you can use your challenges in your life and use them for something good. And I think when I mentioned earlier the combination of bad experiences in schools, counselors, bullying, things like that, losing my love for what traditional schooling was, a lot of times you'll find refuge in what? Like gangs and things like that, which I was exposed to growing up too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And instead I saw, you know, I was an introvert. Mm Mm-hmm. I couldn't really talk to people. You know, you're going to laugh about this, but people that know me, the main reason why I was, I love business and that stuff, it, because I couldn't talk to girls. <laughs> that was one of the reasons. I mean, you're, you're, it's like really? in middle school and high school, right? Yeah. And then I saw, okay, hold on. 
It's teaching me communication skills. Uh-huh. It's teaching me, you know, rejection. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love rejection today. Right. When you're in sales, you cannot be in sales and not love rejection. Right. Right. And in sales is everything. You're always selling. Right. You're always marketing. And so it was a it was originally funny thing. I mean, I was young. It was one thing to change who I was to make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Because comfort is the enemy of achievement, 100 percent Right. When you get comfortable, you stop thinking, you stop growing, you stop creating, right? Right. And that's what entrepreneurship is about. Yeah. We always <laughs> want to create. That's why I love what this very successful people say out there. It's not even about the money. Yeah. I mean, money's great. Anybody that says money's not important, they're full of it. Right. Money's a tool, though. Right. It can be in the good hands. It could be in the wrong hands. Money right. just amplifies you. Right. Right. And it lets you have a different type of lifestyle. Like a lot of people also think that entrepreneurship, having a business is easy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pros and cons to being an employee and a lot of pros and cons to being an entrepreneur or 100%. a business owner. Yep. You know, with that phone, I was going to pull it out, but we're recording. With that phone in your hands these days with smartphone, your business never shuts off. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's one sacrifice you make. There's right. many, but that's one of them. But when you when when I look at you know in middle school, it's funny you remember me. I remember I used to sell video games like I in in, in middle school really in the school bus. Oh, <laughs> so again, what I would do is you know hack them back in my days, and uh-huh. I had a little label maker, and I would print as close as possible, kind of like you know with a swami. You literally oh, see wow. the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was just you know selling them in the in the school bus. Really, I'm making a lot of money. You, you, you go back, it's that that story of the beginning of that entrepreneurial uh, mindset development, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to do that. And then I did different things after that that were very funny, but led me to the basics of sales and marketing that you were talking about. Mm. So I think it was a combination of my environment when I moved here, Mm. my loss for academics and schools. Mm -hmm. I needed somewhere to focus my mind, to feel like I was growing, like Mm. I wasn't being held back. Mm Mm-hmm. But it also allowed me to grow in other areas that I don't think otherwise I would have mature and, and gotten exposed to and pushed myself through. And that's really what it was to start a business. Right. I mean, like I said, I would literally spend all day long, hot, you know, filling out the LLC forms for the Secretary of State of California, <laughs> you know, because I couldn't afford to hire an attorney or, you know, legal zoom or whatever. Right. The only thing I could afford is a $90 fee for the form. <laughs> I remember getting that sent back like a dozen times. Oh, wow. And then I remembering not doing that well at the beginning with my IT business that, but I spent so much time learning how to start an LLC. I started charging some people that I knew how to start their LLCs. Oh, wow. (laughs) Right. So, you know, you go back to like wealth. Mm -hmm. Most people you ask today, Hey, how is wealth created? They have no idea how wealth is created. Right. Right. And, in my definition, and this also from very good mentors I've had in my life, because mentors are very important. 100%. I mean, you don't learn just from YouTube videos, from books, seminars. That's one big part, but it's, it's mentorship. Right. 100%. And, 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 and that's why I love it now that I have, I, I'm actually starting to have other younger people that I can pay it forward to because it feels great to do that. Yeah. But when, when, you, when you go back through it, when you have an idea, you create something with your hands or your brain, product or service, that someone is willing to pay for or pay you for it. That's how you create wealth. Right. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's back in history, you know, I'll trade you my cattle for your chicken right. or whatever. That's the free market. That's capitalism. That's business. Right. Now we're in a different era, but that is still the basics. 100%. And they don't ever teach you that in school. Think about it. They don't. Ever. 
right. the most fundamental thing out there. And even if you don't want to be in business or an entrepreneur and you just want to be an employee, which is fine and build, you know, a, a corporate career, nothing wrong with that, but you still need to know this basics. How are you going to have a household? Right. How are you going to have your bills, a mortgage, things like that, kids in school, when that is da- uh, applied to every part of life? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I think what you, you, you said that is so key is that you have to step out of your comfort zone because it's so easy to get comfortable. Like you mentioned, part of the reason that you started this you know, entrepreneurial journey is because it was challenging you. And one of the things that you said even was talking to girls. And I actually, I, it's funny that you say that because for me, I actually, I struggled in the very beginning, you know, I remember being in high. I didn't get my like first kiss until I was probably in junior high or high school. And, like all these other guys is like, oh yeah, I already got laid when I was like in freshman. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I haven't even had my first kiss yet. You mean but, all the jocks? They're probably all lying. <laughs> they, they were all lying. I, I follow some of them on social media. Yeah, they're, they're still they're, if anybody's showing off, and I learned this in business too, by the yeah. way. All these gurus, I, you know, I really dislike all these gurus, so-called experts, because social media is great, technology is great, but it can also overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's information overload. Right. And I see all these, you know, I've, 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 I've been into internet marketing. I was a kid that wanted to get rich off of YouTube. I remember having a little entrepreneurial show from my apartment uh, podcast, Mr. Entrepreneur's podcast on YouTube. They took him down and I don't know what happened, but, um, you know, trying to get rich off of YouTube views. Yeah. But I see all these gurus. You also got to be careful where you're getting your information these days. Oh, yeah. I see all these gurus that, are, hey, I made $50,000 in a month at Shopify having your own store. But I spent forty five thousand dollars in advertising, so I really netted five thousand. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But my point is, they don't tell you the other side. They only mm-hmm. tell you the, the good things. It's like most gurus just sell you the outcome, mm-hmm. not what it took to get there. You know how much money I've lost? Just imagine. I don't even want to think about it. I don't <laughs> see any whiskey or anything around here. But you know, like you know how many times I've stayed up, and 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 the money's never starts hurting you when you're in business. It's the time. Right. Because money, you could always get it back. Right. You know, I used to hear this, but I didn't get it till now. It's the time that really, you know, how many times I put time and effort into things that didn't work out? Probably 80 to 90% of them. Right. But those are just the numbers. So I also, you know, like what Patrick, uh, Bet David was uh, saying the other day on his podcast. He says, you know, if they really told you how difficult it is to be in business, to be an entrepreneur, mo- even more people will not even try it or attempt it. Oh, 100%. And, and you probably know that. Yeah. Anybody who's really had any experience with starting a business right. and failing. And, 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 and you go back to something we were talking about. I remember hearing this when I dropped out of high school. I wasn't even 18 yet. Mm-hmm. Someone said, you know, kid, you're going to have to fail. There's no way around it. You will fail. Mm-hmm. Try to listen and you'll minimize your failure to learn from others, but you will fail. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, if you're willing to know that and still try it, failed as fast as possible. Right. So that clicked to me. I said, wow, my biggest advantage right now is time. While everybody's in school, in college and doing the usual things, which is, you know, I wasn't out there partying in, in, mm. in, in, in frat houses, but, you know, I was going to, to business events. I'm ahead of them because I'm already failing. Mm. I'm already trying. Yeah. I'm already learning. So in my late 20s, early 30s, which is almost there, you know, I'm going to be way ahead of them because they're just starting life. Mm. But it's so true when you think about it. Yeah. Failing is going to happen and it's part of success because everybody just looks at the good, right? They never look at the bad times. Right. Or how many times you fail to get there. Right. But I think it's very important, even if it gets depressing, 
to know those bad things right in life and business because it can get you it can save you a lot of trouble 100 percent. and i would even add to that like it also depends on how hungry you are because it like you said you're gonna fail you're gonna go through times where you might even question why am i even doing this <laughs> like what what's the point and so your hunger has to be so big that you're like i don't care if i fail i don't care if you know i get rejected because mm -hmm. i want this result and i'm gonna do whatever it takes to get there and i think that that mindset is so important because and that's why patrick mcdavis said if you knew how hard it was you probably wouldn't start a business and, he, and that's so true because even I even questioned myself, hey, if I go back to being, you know, that, that hey, Joel, you're going to start a CPA firm. <laughs> you're like, damn, I got to go through all that shit again. <laughs> you know, actually, believe it or not, if I saw my 15 or 18 year old self and I kind of share with them, sat them down at a bar. Well, probably wouldn't have been them at a bar, but, you know, um, yeah. if I sat them down, I actually told them, hey, let me tell you how it went. The journey. He probably wouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. But, but you know, you know, talk about determination, commitment. It's very important, mm -hmm. but I think the biggest breakthrough sounds so simple, right? Like when you talk about just don't quit, just don't quit, just don't quit. That sounds so simple. It's like playing golf. It looks so easy, but it's very difficult to do. Right. Not quitting. I think I've been close to quitting. I've quit a couple of times. Right. But I always got back into it. Right. That's, that's what's always going to separate you. Just don't quit. Right. Yeah, because that sounds easy. Oh, maybe in a year, two years, I won't quit. Three mm -hmm. years, four years, five years, ten years. Jeez, it gets to the point, and then you get questioned by everybody around you. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, mostly your friends and family are going to question you the most. Right. Right. That's just how it works. Right. And then you're going to question yourself even more, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And then that's where also most business owners don't get past that. Right. They stop being business owners or entrepreneurs. Yep. But also consistency. I think the biggest breakthrough for me was consistency, kind of like fitness or mm -hmm. going to the gym, right? Yeah. It's really not the technique i mean that's very important that will come with time mm -hmm. but it's just just don't stop right you know one percentage change every time right same with the business um when i started focusing on just okay i want to do all this right because as an entrepreneur you also have this really high expectations of yourself right and you tend to overwhelm yourself yeah and you always kick yourself thinking you're not doing enough you're not doing enough do more do more do more right but when you just say hey i have all this but if i just tackle one thing at a time mm -hmm. one challenge because your challenges are going to, and you know this, your challenges will get worse and worse and worse and worse every time. Right. I think all the time now, what I consider a challenge, a tough time from 8, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, to the tough times today, oh, man, <laughs> big difference. Right. But it's just some new growth. Right. It's it challenging you. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, like you said, the fact that you never quit, I think it's, like you said, it's easier said than done because if I even think about even before business, when I was playing sports as a kid and I was like, hey, you know what? I want to, um, you know, I played soccer, for example. I played baseball and I think about, okay, why, why did I quit soccer, but I did not quit baseball? And I asked myself that question. I was like, well, because I had a passion for baseball. I was good at baseball. People were like, cheer me on. Hey, I want you to pitch. But in soccer, it's like, hey, we'll see if you get to be a starter. And it's like, oh, what do you mean? I'm all dressed up. You know, I bought some new cleats. Oh, you might not even play today. So it kind of brings your, your self-esteem down. Mm -hmm. So you have to be passionate about 
what it is you're doing because it is going to be hard. It is going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be, you're going to be, there are going to be times where you're like, want to, want to quit. But if you're like, Hey, this, I would rather not do anything else. I'm so passionate about it. You're not going to quit. And I think that's that whole saying, right? Of you got to love what you do. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, when you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. But I totally agree with you. Like me, I don't think I can pinpoint one single industry that I love. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at my, 15 year career, whatever you want to call it. I mean, look, I started out selling video games, you know, on the school bus, <laughs> and look what I do now in consulting and, mm-hmm. you know, all in between, right? Sales, marketing, direct sales, different things. Um, I don't, I, I just love the journey, right? Mm. That's why I keep using that, 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 that term in my bio that it's often overlooked now. I'm just a serial entrepreneur. Mm. I just love entrepreneurship and what it does to you. Mm. I don't, I don't care if the challenge is flipping a restaurant that's been failing Mm. And I don't know much about the hospitality industry, right? <laughs> or I love what I do in consulting now. Mm. I love my what I believe in crypto, right? Mm-hmm. NFTs and all that stuff that you probably hear about now a lot. Yeah. That's kind of what a lot of people know me publicly. But I mean, I, I, I've been involved in a lot of different things because I just love that rush. Mm. I developed this adrenaline. I'm like an adrenaline junkie Yeah. for, 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 for challenges. Ah. You know, hand Solo, never tell me the odds type of thing. Yeah. That's just what I love. Yeah, that's why, like, you know, if you talk about like if, if you had a, a goal, if you had a dream of yourself 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, mm-hmm. it'd be like Shark Tank type of stuff. I love to invest into people mm. and help them and create jobs and just create more of what we have in this capitalist society. Right. I, right. That's what I will. If I see myself dying like that, I will die like that. Right. Super happy. Wow. That's so awesome. Because like for me, I've, I've uh, focused myself on basically one business like. You know, I, I consider myself an entrepreneur, but with my own practice. But you've done everything from IT to setting up LLCs for other people, selling, you know, video games. So that's what I, really a serial entrepreneur. So, like, for you, how do you know your calling? Is it just entrepreneurship or is it, like, for example, how did you even get into the Red Group that you have now, for example? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I mean, look, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I've also realized in the last seven to eight years, you do have to be more laser focused. I used to try a lot of more stuff than, than what you see now on paper. Mm-hmm. I was all over the place, mm. not doing much. Right. Right. <laughs> so I also had to take a step back. You many times you have to take yourself, yourself back and reevaluate it too. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's also like that whole don't give up, but also the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah. And expecting different results. I've had to streamline and say, no, I do have to say, and especially, especially for people that are hearing that maybe are, aspiring to be in business or entrepreneurs. I think I started making more money when I started saying no. Mm. Yeah. hundred percent. That's not to say that I only do one thing, right? Cause how I develop. So, you know, my background with, um, it and technology and all that kind of stuff that I tried, um, and, and direct sales. Cause I, even though I've tried different things, <clears throat> I've, I've still done things within what I like. A lot of the companies that I joined to uh, recruit salespeople and build an organization and do sales, you know, direct sales type of companies, mm-hmm. were always in services. I never really liked products. I don't really like products. I'm not mm. a product guy. I'm not a brick and mortar guy. I realized that I didn't like that kind of stuff. Mm. I had a brick and mortar business, but that's not me. I like services. Mm. So that's one little niche, right, that I said, that's me. Gotcha. And, but if I could attribute my most recent success, let's say with my own business with the red group and what we do, it would be developing organized knowledge. 
And, you know, I'm sure you've read a lot of books, and I encourage people to read books um, to grow themselves. I've read not as many books as I should be reading or I should have read, but I've read a few, more than most people, you know, like Matswell Leadership, I mean, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. One of my, some of my favorite authors were, you know, um, uh, Napoleon Hill, Jim Ron, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, but if I can pinpoint one single book, and I always tell people, my favorite all-time book is Loss of Success by Napoleon Hill. Really? Have you read it? I haven't actually. But you've read Think and Grow Rich. Oh, right? I have, yeah. Well, Think and Grow Rich is an excerpt. It's just an excerpt really? of Loss of Success. Oh, wow. Loss of Success is like 600 plus pages. Okay. So it's tough. And it's one of those books a, ma- a former mentor taught me. This It's not like I learned this on my own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he said, Loss of Success is the most raw, uncensored business book, non-edited business book that you, everyone in life or business should ever read. And doesn't mean, doesn't mean you'll always be ready for it. Mm. He's like, sometimes you'll have to go back and reread it because you weren't ready for it. Oh, wow. And it's basically Napoleon Hill, where Thinker and Roach Rich came from, but mm-hmm. you got the summarized version of it. Yeah. Went around the world, sitting down and interviewing the most successful people, the mm-hmm. Rockefellers, the Fords, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. World leaders and business leaders. But it was uncensored, non-stage conversations. Mm. How do you get to where you are, Mr. Ford? And he put it into 600 plus pages, but it wasn't just like time management, uh, work hard type of feel good stuff, which is important. Mm-hmm. But it was more of like even life lessons. Mm. Like this part of my personal life allow me to sustain the tough times of business. Mm. It was that f- not feel good stuff that everyone needs to learn. So I remember the one thing, my, my point of that was, the one thing that I've learned the most from that book was organized knowledge. They were talking about how people are always having a lot of knowledge, getting expertise in, in a specific topic. You know, we were talking about traditional public school. Right. You become an expert in one subject, mm-hmm. which is okay. But then they, they can never apply. They never organize all that knowledge. Mm. But once you organize knowledge, like me, I was struggling in my little IT business because you know, I was 15 years old. But then, oh, wait, I spent all this time learning how to start an LLC. Right. Well, okay, let me sell it here and there just to get me by. Mm-hmm. right once you learn something you already put your time into it and you learn it you can organize that knowledge mm. and sell it mm. and i think that was the biggest key on if i didn't mess up my it business if i didn't make all the mistakes i did in direct sales whatever you want to call it, telecommunications like when i did telecommunications and all that stuff i've applied a lot of those things mm-hmm. into doing the consulting i did today mm-hmm. or, or politics or life I applied things I learned, good or bad, throughout the last 15 years in what I do today. So how I got now, to go back to, to how I got into consulting, uh, HR and stuff like that. Well, I when I messed up my first few businesses, and I was in a bad stage of my life. And it's funny, everybody laughs, bad stage of your life. How old were you? I was like, oh, like 20, 21. You know? <laughs> um, I was a very low moment. Okay. Like back then I would consider, I, I thought it was hard rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, it wasn't that bad. Come on. <laughs> it, it was my first, I think, official business heartbreak. Mm. You know? Yeah. yeah. We, we've all had those. Oh, 100%. And now we look back and I'm we're like, what were you thinking, kid? Get up, you know? Yeah, but it yeah. was really bad. And, you know, I felt, you know, I fell into depression and stuff like that. I started drinking a lot, you know, blah, blah. And um, I remember I didn't know what I was going to do anymore. You know, when you feel like you're done. Right. But there's always that little like, no, nah, come on, man. You, you got to keep creating. You got to keep fighting, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like boxers. It's like people who are passionate about being an athlete in their own field. That's how it is in business. Yeah. And you're like, okay, slap yourself. You're done. Right? You're there. Enough crying. 
Get on it. <laughs> Different things happen. And, you know, I do believe everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met certain people in the area. And then someone said, hey, you're bilingual. You're from the Central Valley. How do you like to get into politics? I hated politics. I still hate politics. I'm very big in it, but mm. I still hate it. Um, but I was like, I need a job. Yeah, sure. Why <laughs> so anyways, long story short, I remember I, um, I, uh, he's like, hey, you know, go meet my uh, campaign uh, consultant in Bakersfield. And, you know, you can help me up in Northern Kern, Delano, you know, a lot of you know, the community because I already had my failed brick and mortar business or soon to be filled, you know, but I, I developed a lot of relationships. Okay. With local small business leaders because I had a, a my, my, my shop, my brick and mortar business wasn't on Main Street in Delano. And uh, so, you know, in the community, you develop relationships with small business owners. So now I was like, well, you already have the relationships. Help me get out there. He was a candidate. He was running for office. Mm. And I didn't know anything, man, about Democrat or Republican or any of that. I remember, you know, just what most kids know today, whatever your parents tell you and whatever you see online, I guess. Right. But I didn't really <laughs> care. Right. I was just like, I need a job. Right. Why yeah. not? Anyway, started there. <clears throat> I guess I did pretty good. And then I developed, long story short, I developed a passion for politics. Mm. And because I also, it aligned a lot with what I always believed. And then it woke me up. I took the red pill. Mm. Proud to take the red pill. <laughs> um, but it woke me up. And, you know, I walked away, as we call it. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up the same way as everybody else, man. I remember coming home and my dad watching Jorge Ramos Al Punto every single afternoon and him saying, oh, finally, Obama's going to give us papers. Finally, 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 finally. Four years passed by, nothing happened, right? <laughs> you know, I, I also was in the shadows. Mm. That's why, you know, I not long ago, about five years, five years ago, I think. Four, yeah, almost. I was going to be five years since I became a citizen. Wow. Um, so I, I know what that is, too. Mm-hmm. It's just. I think too often we believe too much a meme on Instagram right? and a shirt post and a news clip and we don't verify it. Right. Don't trust anyone. Verify yourself. 100%. There's no excuse to verify stuff these days, right? And anyway, so I, I got into politics and stuff like that. I did it for a couple of years and then it was like business consulting under a firm here in town. And I had a great mentor here in town in, in politics in the area. And, uh, but eventually... I still did my stuff on the side, by the way. I still did build businesses and stuff like that, little things here on the side when I did that. But it allowed me to build a lot of great relationships in the area, a lot of business relationships. And I found a niche um, in helping companies, mostly agricultural, deal with government issues, union issues, HR issues, lawsuits, which is kind of all together. Mm. I mean, if you're in California, you understand how difficult it is to do business in California. And then I went from there and then, you know, I, I like everything else, I built it from scratch. Mm. And, oh, you know, that brings me to a very important point that if I could share with anyone who aspires to be an entrepreneur, I think it's priceless. It's, you know, saying no made me a lot of money in the sense that I got more laser focused. Right. right? That's true. But also, I think what allowed me to be where I am and it still allows me to be where I am mentality wise is... I also never said no to challenges Mm. or something that I didn't know how to do it. Right. Do you know how to do this? Yes. Absolutely not. (laughs) You know how many servers of companies, I'm not going to mention their names, uh, I messed up Mm. when I was starting out my IT business because I said, yeah, I know how to fit. And then I messed it up. And guess what? I stayed all night without charging them because I messed it up. Right. Stressed. Right. I fixed it, obviously, of course. And I lost a lot of money, Mm -hmm. you know, but I never said no. Right. Do you know how to set up uh, networking infrastructures? Sure. I don't, but let me find a contractor and I'll subcontractor or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do they teach you this stuff at, right? Right. And 
I think those things did allow me also to get into the stuff I do today. Like, did I know much about human resources? No. I mean, a lot of it is common sense, right? It's people. Mm-hmm. And how did I develop people skills? In business. Right. So, you know, just because you have an HR degree, might know you know the law very well in compliance, but maybe you don't know the common sense or the people skills. Oh, yeah. So now I'm solving a problem mm. and I'm getting paid for it. Mm. Right. Right. And I think it was, of course, I'm bilingual. That helped out a lot, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and but I didn't know much. I had to learn a lot at night. Mm. You know, I had to Google a lot. I had to watch a lot of articles. Like there's so many day to day things that people don't see that entrepreneurs actually go through. Right. That the average person will not be willing to it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you know, if I'm at a restaurant, if I'm with my son, if I'm on vacation, you know how that goes. Vacation, <laughs> I'm always on my phone. Yeah. And I'm always learning more. I'm always thinking more. Where can I do more? What can we expand? Where, where can we do this? Where can I learn this? Where can my team learn this? Things like that. Yep. And that requires also a big commitment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's why when they say, you know, when you start your business, you're kind of a slave to your business for a while. Yep. But I don't see it that way. Right. Do you see it that no, way? No, no, I don't. I, I love what I do. I, I love learning. I love challenging myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, learning is priceless, right? Right. So I think those things got me into what I do, but I've never lost lost my, you know, I, I do consulting and, and, you know, and I have a big dream. Like I, I see the red group because I work with a lot of bigger firms that have been around for a couple of decades. I work with a lot of attorney, labor and employment firms mm-hmm. or companies directly, whichever. And I see a lot of com- big, big companies, worldwide companies that do similar things that I do, mm. that we do right now. And I'm always saying, I could do that better. I could do that differently. Mm-hmm. I could have handled that situation differently. Mm-hmm. When you challenge, that, that's when you know you're an entrepreneur. Right. When you challenge what others do or you think you could do it better, you could do it differently. Right. That's when you know you, you're onto something. Right. So like I see the Red Group being a worldwide consulting firm. Mm-hmm. Right? I see that. Only I see that. What is it going to take? How long is it going to take me? It's, it's irrelevant to me now. Right. It doesn't matter to me. Right. It might happen. It might not happen. Whatever. I'll have fun in the process. Mm-hmm. Lo- loving what I do. Bringing value to an industry. Bringing value to companies. But I see it worldwide. Consultants all over the place doing things differently. In government. In labor relations. Mm-hmm. And nobody can see that ever. Maybe. But I can't. And that's all that matters. Mm. Right? And I think that's what entrepreneurship is about. Yeah, 100%. They're always like two steps ahead of their team because it's like, hey, this is where we're going. This is where we're headed. It's a visionary. Right? So you actually... And then you just basically tell my, you tell your team, hey, this is the vision. This is where we're headed. Are you guys on board? Yeah. Right? And if they're really your team members, they're going to support you. And, and sometimes they don't, but it's sometimes they bring out good points. Like, hey, well, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? I was like, oh, maybe I haven't. And so it kind of makes you maybe alter your vision a little bit, but either way we're moving forward and we're going to head to better and bigger things. In my, in my short, this is very short. I mean, I'm, I'm very green, obviously I'm barely getting started. Mm-hmm. I have so much to learn from people. And I mean, I'm, I don't know much, but in my short 15 years of business, different things I've done, I would say 99% of the people, either be friends, family, partners, whatever, they're not around. From the very first things I did till today. Right. And that's just normal. And you got to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. You got to be okay with being the crazy. When I dropped out of high school, we were talking about how our mothers were similar. They were about academics. Right. 
Could you imagine my mom and my family when I told <laughs> I was dropping out of high school to start a business? Oh my goodness. We didn't talk about that. But could you imagine? <laughs> I was the black sheep of the family. Gosh. When that happened. Not now, but when that happened. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's hard. Yeah. Because your friends and your family, unfortunately, the people that know you and love you are going to be the first ones to question your ideas. They're going to be the hardest ones to stick around. Mm-hmm. I've received more business help entrepreneurial help from complete strangers like you. I just meant today, for example. Well, we're not strangers anymore, but right. there's probably going to be more knowledge exchange and potential help here mm-hmm. than with a friend or a family. Oh, for sure. And you, you know that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's your friends, your friends and your family, they're all in the same circle. So they almost have the same values. They kind of have the same limited mindset. And when you're surrounded by people that have third world thinking or new ideas that's where you get inspiration and you get oh man like why can't i do that and, and or like hey this guy is actually you know for example i'll give you i'll give you an example like I, I made a video on social media basically calling out hispanics on hey why is it that you guys want to have all these nice things like the the white people that have you know the the houses, the cars, mm-hmm. but all your behaviors are you're doing things that they're not doing. They're actually reporting all their income. They're making money. They have financial statements. They're <laughs> paying less taxes in legal ways. Yet you, oh, I only accept cash or I'm not going to do business with you. I'm like, you're never going to get to that level. And I actually made a, a, a video about this. And I remember my mom's like, hey, that was a little bit out there. I don't know if you should have put that video out there. That was kind of like, you know, you're getting some negative comments. And I'm like, good. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, great. Yeah, exactly. And I was, but the thing is, it's like, I was like, hey, this, I'm so passionate about my message that I'm willing to take controversy. Yep. Because I, I, I believe in that they can actually become better people and better their lives if they actually accept my message. Well, when we're talking about like mentorships or people who really have made an impact in an entrepreneurial career, those that have truly question me but in the right way not just "Ah, why are you doing that you're gonna fail no no question me challenge me almost made me cry but in a good way allow me to get to the next level Mm -hmm. if you don't stand up for something you will fall for anything right and i'm the very same way i put it in there i'm very politically incorrect (laughs) i mean i use that word but i'm very politically correct many things business and i call up wannabe gurus that oh i know it all no (laughs) no questioner we call it whoever right yeah but when you look at it that way, if you're not willing to have that mindset of challenging, you got to be a challenger. Mm-hmm. If you can't challenge, I would really question you if you're going to be successful long-term in business. Right. right. And I believe that if you are not doing enough, then you're not being attacked. Right. Mm-hmm. So like in your example of that post, most people will probably be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, scare some people away or whatever. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe don't say it. Maybe don't talk about it. Right. Be professional. I'm not saying go out there and just (laughs) curse people out and question them. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with speaking your mind and standing by your ground. As long as as you know what you believe in. Right. The problem, in my opinion, with a lot of the young generations out there and the social media people and stuff like that is you don't know what you believe in. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with agreeing to disagree with you right now. Right. It's not going to change what I believe in. Right. 
I mean, sometimes I'm open-minded. I'm like, wait, wait, I didn't think of that. Let me go double-check and see if it's true or not. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm not close-minded. I'm very open-minded. Right. But foundational-wise, right? Because you got to have a foundation, too. Oh, 100%. Right? You have a core, right? Yeah. It's like if you have a weak core, doesn't matter how strong you're on chest press, you're not going to grow, right? Yep. Um, it's the same in business and in your mindset and ideals. You got to have a core of ideals like politics. Let me bring it back to politics. What I also love about that is that I've always had a core ideals, right? I was raised conservative from Mexico, mm -hmm. grandparent type of values, work hard, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. But I never knew where I was in the political aisle. And, you know, I hope you don't mind if I get a little political. That's fine. Uh, you know, but I didn't care. I just knew what I believed in. I love business. I, I wanted freedom. I mean, what, isn't that what we always come here right. in this country anyways in the first place? Right. I mean, like I said, we don't come here necessarily for the food. We come here to work <laughs> hard to give a better future to our kids and their grandkids, right? Yeah. And you know Hispanics. I mean, we're very conservative socially. Yeah. Very conservative. Yeah. Raised Catholic, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm, I'm from Mexico. Yeah, right? yeah. All my family is there. So, you know. And I started seeing why do they vote and they usually align with the left side. Right. right. But I didn't know that until I got involved in politics because I needed a job. Mm. I also didn't know. I was completely ignorant about the subject. But the great thing about ignorance is you can solve it any time of the day by just learning. Right. Right. It's okay to be ignorant. I'm ignorant in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like what you do in your business being CPA, I'm completely ignorant. Mm hmm. But I can solve it by hiring you. I can solve it by hanging around with you, right? Yep, yep. It's that simple. It's okay to be ignorant. Just learn it if you need to. Right. And if you don't need it, don't learn it. Right. Right? And when I saw that, it also changed my worldview, and I'm very glad. I'll be honest with you. We talk about entrepreneurship. I don't think I would be where I am today if I didn't drop out of high school mm -hmm. because of my personal experience of what I went through. I also believe politically idealistic, I wouldn't be thinking how I am, my core values, if I would have gone through the traditional public school system all the way. Right. Meaning your traditional college because, oh, man, I mean, you know how bad it is right now in most schools <laughs> oh with gosh. the curriculum and teachings. It's worse than when I started, right? Yeah. And that's just because I set up my own ideas from people I met from having to pay Uncle Sam so much money, you know, and having to pay this. Because I also believe the big problem with the youth out there, like we were talking about that, they don't really start facing real life till they're in their late 20s. I believe most people don't really start questioning things. Because think about it. Politics, finances, it's boring. I don't think so, by the way. But <laughs> for the average person, it's boring. I don't think it's boring one single bit. Hey, how do we say taxes here? How do you do the write-offs? I think it's great. I love having those conversations. Yeah. But to the average person about the market and why are gas prices so high and just whatever day to day or why are my property taxes going up every year mm -hmm. wait hold on three more bonds that's why my property taxes went up but guess how that happened because the school board that like, you don't even know where it's assist at is wasting money in this most people don't know any of this stuff right in fact most parents sadly today you know because i'm a dad i have a my, my son lincoln's about to be seven next, next month but I even care about this before personally, but it, I didn't care more about this type of worldview things till I had a son, right? Mm -hmm. Or till I started, till I bought a house mm -hmm. and then I started paying taxes. And then I was like, whoa, all that money, Uncle Sam's going to take it away. And I worked so hard for it, right? right? So you learn those things. But that's what I believe. You don't, most generations today don't start living real life to their late 20s. And by then they've been so indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is now. It's huge indoctrination in our public school system. That by the time they get out, they can't even, they're not even opening to challenging opinions. Right. Right. Because 
we live in a time like before we had a lot of disagreements back in my days in school mm-hmm. and we'll solve them one way or another. Mm-hmm. Right. But today it's all about, oh, don't hurt each other. Respect everybody. <laughs> there's no right or wrong. There's second, third, fourth place. No, there is. I don't teach my son that. No, there's no second place. Right. So work hard, get better and get to first place. Right. It's all about don't hurt people's feelings. It's all about safe spaces and eating Tide Pods with this new generation. <laughs> that, you know, we don't challenge each other. Right. We're not open to debate, to healthy debate, right? Right. We shut down people's opinions, and that's where we're, I think we are where we're at, where we're at with the youth and politics and high gas prices. Yeah, 100%. And I think what, what is interesting is that you mentioned, like, the more you follow the system, the more you become indoctrinated. And that's so true because... Like, for example, you started your, your your entrepreneurship career at 18 years old. That's the best time you could start it because you have so little risk. Like, for me, when I started my firm, damn, I have a, I'm risking my house. I'm risking my marriage mm-hmm. because if I don't put food on the table, she's going to be pissed off. Where if I start at 18, I'm still probably living with my parents, you know, I... They're kind of feeding me still. I don't have much to risk. So that's the best time you could do it. So if you become more and more and more indoctrinated, there's no absolutely no way you're going to be able to take risk. You, there's just, you've, you've built up all this probably debt, school debt. You've probably built up all this, you know, indoctrination about how certain things should be done. And, and now you, there's absolutely no way you're going to start creating new ideas and and start developing and challenging people, you're not going to do that. Well, you know, I, I love that you brought that up because I also think similar like that. How, how old were you when you started your your? I your was firm? 20, 29. 29. Okay, I just turned 29 in May. <laughs> but, you know, I go back. It's funny you mentioned that. I don't regret anything. But I do think I could have done a lot more. When you talk about having that freedom of no responsibilities, really, Mm-hmm. I could have been doing a lot more. Yep. You know, and you always think you could have done better. You could have done more, right? Right, right, right. But now I'm, I look at some of the risks I take now, nothing compared to before, right? Right. But, and I'm like, I'm still taking those risks with the sun, mm. with mortgages, mm. with more commitments. So before, I didn't have any bills. You're right. <laughs> you mentioned that. That's the best time. Yeah. When you really have nothing to lose. Right. I always still have the mentality that I have nothing to lose. Nice. But that's just because I think I developed that. And and you're right. There is no way that you can be an entrepreneur or be in business if you're not willing to risk. Right. Any investment is a risk. Yep. And if you're not willing to accept that, I mean, like I said, you know how much th- things I've tried, I've invested in that have not worked out? Too many. Mm-hmm. In fact, I always thought about, you know, having at my house like a, Wall of Fame, but also ha- Hall of Shame. Oh, nice. So I can go back and think about that. Because you know, it's good to think about those <laughs> you things. You need both, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's been a lot. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, that a lot in the area. I mean, that's what a lot of my buddies know me, you know, from being the crypto guy. Yeah. Back in the days. Um, and that was just really, you know, I was sharing with them that um, it was really because IT background, so techie background, mm-hmm. and I've always been a challenger. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at politics now, I'm a big believer in, you know, if no government, limited government, mm-hmm. right? Let us be. Mm. Um, and having your own money, you control your own money, you spend it however you want. You know, that's how a capitalist, free market society should be. Right. That's my belief. Yeah. And when you look at that back then, oof, 
I was jailbreaking iPhones and building barebone kits. By the way, that's when you build like a gaming computer from scratch with everything. And I would put a label on it. I printed labels with my own label and I would sell them. Mm. And then, you know, you're in that world and Bitcoin came out or the word Bitcoin started. Right. Now, obviously, thankfully, it's not as unknown. Right. But back then, I remember and talk about close to having a big, big, big regret. Just like everybody else, I might say this too, obviously. I remember being offered in the forums back then, you know, we didn't have a social media. It was just, you, we were on a, like Reddit, right? Like in a forum, mm-hmm. and, you know, people talk about things, but it takes forever to, to get replies or just a posting. That's how Bitcoin started. And I could have bought it, mined it. Mined it means, you know, it's like one way I want to say, you know, <clears throat> look at Bitcoin like gold, but just not touchable. You know, you, it's just digital, right? Mm-hmm. Which if you can get past, that's what I was sharing with them. If you can get past the, the notion that not, if you can't touch it, if it's not tangible, it has no value, then you'll never be able to get into crypto or the future at this point, honestly. Right. Right. Because Which is kind of weird because we live on social media and you can't really <laughs> touch social media. I mean, you can touch your phone, but you can't touch social media. Right. And there's people making a killing on social media, right? Right. But if you can get past that notion, that's what cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin is, is really like gold, right? You were mining it. So, but instead of mining it with physical tools... You mine it with algorithms on a computer algorithm. And back then it was video cards because you needed power. But we were able to mine. I kicked myself a lot for this. You were able to mine. I could be mining it in my table, in my room, in my parents' room when I was jailbreaking iPhones. Wow. And who knows how many you know, Bitcoins I would have now. But then I ignored it. I could have bought it at a penny. And then wow. you know, fast forward 10 cents at a dollar. Long story short. I always kept up with it because I have an interest in tech. In general, I like tech, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually start buying it, like buying Bitcoin un- until it was $800 a piece. That was a lot. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. You know how many Bitcoins I've lost in my almost like 10-year career, career, whatever you call it, cryptocurrency career? Mm-hmm. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> and I'm still in it. Yeah. I've lost a lot of money. Oh, my goodness. I've also made some money. Right. But I've lost... A lot more money. Yeah. But I never gave up. Countless nights. It wasn't like I knew it all. Just because I'm techie, I'm almost, I've almost been close to like buying the wrong thing or being hacked. And I'm techie. Mm-hmm. I'm actually having to call like 18, 19, 20 year olds. And they're like, hey, what is that? Hey, can you show me? You know, like that's where I'm getting now. Yeah. You know, and, but w- when you look at that, when, when, when you look at, you know, cryptocurrencies and now, you know, the, the, the hot thing is NFTs because you see it everywhere now. Yeah. Um, it's just, a new industry, mm-hmm. right? And, and I mean, you think Elon Musk was taken serious when he started PayPal? Everybody knows the story, but they all laughed at him, right? And there would there would be no Tesla, no SpaceX today if it wasn't for him not giving up on PayPal back in the dot com bubble. Oh yeah, in, in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and everybody called. Remember, everybody called the internet. Fake, fraud, fad, even Mark Cuban, even though he makes a killing off of the internet now, right? <laughs> Everybody said the internet was uh, not going to last. Right. Same with the computer and Pfizer. That's why I think history is so important. Mm-hmm. History is always bound to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. And real history, not the history that they've been rewriting in the textbooks at school today. Yeah. But real history doesn't lie to you. Right. It's like in your business. Numbers don't lie. Right. Right. <laughs> history is very important. That's why I love politics. That's yeah. why I love those things. Look at the internet. Made billionaires, millionaires. Made kids who didn't even know how to 
write a resume, millions of dollars, right? Right. And they reinvested that money and now got into social media. So this is how I look at it with cryptocurrencies and NFTs. This is my 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 just my my summary of it. Mm-hmm. I see it as the new wave. I believe we had big breakthroughs with computers. Mm-hmm. IBM, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Then we had a big breakthrough with the internet. 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, the WWW, the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Then the new wave was social media. MySpace, Tom, your top friends, now Facebook and Instagram, blah, 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 TikTok and all those things I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but social media. Right. It's been a 10 plus year big industry. It's mm-hmm. made... A lot of people are rich. Right. It's made our way of living. I mean, if you still thought that social media was going to be a, a fraud, it was going to fail back in, I don't know, maybe 2007, even 2008, because it was still kind of getting there, right? Right. Look at yourself today. Everywhere you go, everywhere you sit at, everybody's on social media. Mm-hmm. Sometimes too much, but, you know, it's okay. Right. But it's a part of who we are. Right. When I... And this is how I love to explain NFTs and like crypto for the most part. I see it as the new wave. Mm. And there's a lot of technology behind it. Like when you really look at Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, what makes them valuable, it's not just the price, the supply, the fact that, you know, it's not a limited print like fiat, like like dollar, mm-hmm. you know, it's also the technology behind it. So you got to understand the blockchain technology. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that people that I remember in 2017 and 18, when I got big into Bitcoin and stuff like that, um, the headlines were Bitcoin is a fraud. Bitcoin is going to go as a scam, but they never blockchain technology, but blockchain has been around for decades. Banks, <coughs> financial institutions have been using the blockchain technology for decades. Mm. <clears throat> Bitcoin was just happens to be the first form of monetary digital currency payment that this anonymous guy Satoshi started mm. that led into all the other ones we see today, right? There's thousands of all. They're called altcoins. So we have a lot of lingo in crypto. So mm. and even I'm trying to learn now, but there's a lot of like words, abbreviations that are only for crypto, but yeah. they're called altcoins. So Bitcoin is just, I want to look at it like stocks. I, get, I, I guess I want to compare it like stocks. I'm comparing it to stocks, okay? Stocks, I mean, you're just believing in a company, the project, you buy it in early, right? Mm-hmm. And it hopefully does well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what stocks are. Right. And they've been around for a while. Bitcoin is like the birth of the whole cryptocurrency industry now there's so many of them right mm-hmm. you see the little dog ones you know Dogecoin, shiva the the mean ones the funny ones but everybody that talks smack about them they, they don't understand them mm-hmm. right like i remember everybody saying Dogecoin, the little dog the first right. one you know i remember everybody saying when elon musk was promoting it now he's getting sued for it but you know when he was <laughs> promoting it and he got it up to like almost a dollar at one point yeah uh, like 87 cents or whatever i remember Dogecoin. I didn't know anything about it. I remember it was one of the many altcoins, and I was like, oh, why not put 200 bucks into it? By the way, that's $200 I put in Dogecoin. Turned into like 17000 almost wow. when Elon Musk drove the price up. By the way, I never sold it. I haven't sold anything. I'm a long-term, mm. fundamental, personally, believer in the industry. It's not even about the gains. It's not even about the money for me. I'm just such a believer because of my worldview, because of my limited government, you know, the corruption in the financial institutions for the average person out there mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theory guy, but that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. That's why I believe in cryptocurrency so much mm. and being decentralized, right? Right. Which also comes from their disadvantages. The, the, the biggest thing that you hear, I don't know, when you, when you hear about Bitcoin, crypto, is uh, it's, uh, you could be hacked, right? Mm-hmm. You can lose it easily. Yeah, of course, it's not FDIC insured. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good in a way. Yeah, you, you need to know your stuff. Right. 
I wouldn't recommend that anybody getting into it without even knowing the basics or watching a YouTube tutorial. Right. But at the same time, guess what? I don't need to fill out a form and get the government to let me send a million dollars to the other side of the world. My money. Mm. I don't need permission from anybody. It's my money. Mm. That's like the fundamentals of cryptocurrency. Decentralized. Mm. Yep. You control it, but just equivalently, you have more risk because you're not backed by the FDIC. You, if you lose it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. That's why all those stories about people that lost, you know, 10,000 Bitcoins 10 years ago. And it could have been, yeah, of course, you got to know your stuff. Right. Everything has pros and cons. But I truly believe that 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I don't know the exact day. Nobody knows. I just know the future, the vision, and the past, right? It's not going to be how many followers you have on social media. Mm. How many... How, how, what type of influencer this person is or things like that or or your identity is not just going to be your social media profiles it's going to be crypto and nfts mm. the talk in a bar in a restaurant a thing like this is going to be or behind the scenes is going to be like what kind of nfts do you have <laughs> right and like, like that's who you are mm. and by the way for, i'm sorry for, for anybody do you know what an nft is non-fungible token i know the basics okay if I if, if you had to explain what an NFT is, what what would it be to me? Real quick, it just not, not not the technical stuff. Just yeah, I mean, I probably can't define it the way you can at all because I don't even own. I don't it. even think I can define it because <laughs> other people. I don't own an, an NFT, so I mean, you probably can define it better than I can. So that's kind of like I, I I see NFTs and crypto, right? NFT was just a little sub industry of like crypto, right? That's how I see it. Because mm-hmm. NFTs have actually been around since at least at least two thousand and seventeen. Before I even started buying Bitcoin. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. People don't know this, but I'll mention the top name ones because that's like everybody knows about this. Mm-hmm. So you got CryptoPunks, okay. which is like the main ones. They look all weird and funny and they're ugly in my opinion because I'm not an art guy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks like NFTs is just pure art, pure celebrities because Snoop Dogg bought, bought you know, uh, uh, digital land in whatever metaverse. And then we'll get into the metaverse right now. But um, I'm just a believer in what it entails behind it, right? I'm more mm-hmm. of the fundamentalist on what it means. Uh, I'm what they call now in the industry an OG, right? <laughs> uh, but CryptoPunks actually minted. So just so you know, minting is when it launches. It's the early stage that you can buy an NFT. And yes, an NFT, the term is non-fungible token, and there's a lot of technical aspects to it. But it's a lot of people think it's just a picture, right? Mm-hmm. You're buying a JPEG, a picture, because of the, the board ape, right? The, the right. Ape. But it's more than that, actually. An NFT is just a way... To get in early and getting something exclusive, mm. whatever that might be, there are people that are love that love art mm-hmm. that actually know art. I don't. I like access. I like mentorship. Right. Mm-hmm. I like networking. Mm-hmm. I like because think about it. A lot of times, where do most business deals or business closings come from? Being at the right place at the right time or luck, whatever you want to call it. Right. Or knowing someone who knows someone who knows someone. That's why relationships and building network is so important. Building relationships is like the ultimate success to anything, in my opinion. Like, if you cannot build relationships, you cannot do anything in business. Mm-hmm. Like, I attribute probably 80% of my success today to building relationships. Mm-hmm. Who you know is everything. And, right. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure you might agree. 100%, yeah. Well, that's how I look at it. So, I have something I want. In NFTs, the NFT projects that I'm involved with give you access, exclusive only access to certain good, big people in the industry, Mm. bigger cryptocurrency millionaires Mm. that know the net's biggest thing. Like, let me ask you this. If you legally, legally and hypothetically speaking, uh, could sit down next to Nancy Pelosi 
And hey, what's the new inside trading? What stock should I buy? Since you're gonna tank it, you know, or are you gonna make it go? <laughs> it's true though. No, no, yeah, Look, you're right. the biggest insider trading comes from Washington, right? From Congress. Yeah, you know, they know the inside. When you know the of inside, course. like I know certain people that in the past I've tried to buy stocks because I happen to know some of the guys that work in somewhere, right? And, and they're like, yeah, man, it's gonna be good. We're doing this. Most people, what can they do? They're just gonna Google the company and see see what you can see on their website, right? Mm-hmm. But most of the times is knowing that's that exclusive information right mm-hmm. so that's what i'm doing getting into early into an nft mm-hmm. has is going to has allowed me and is going to allow me to be able to hang out with people that otherwise i wouldn't be able to mm. right right Th- i mean that's my benefit so when you talk about like utility mm-hmm. that's a big thing utility like right. the usage of, of nfts it's whatever you consider the utility i mean when you look i, I mentioned CryptoPunks. to me and I'm not an art expert, mm-hmm. but to me, CryptoPunks is ugly art. I mean, I'm not an expert. You know, you might know more because I don't know more about uh, much about 3D and pixelated. I stopped learning about that. I just have people that know about it, right? Yeah. But CryptoPunks are ugly. I would never spend $5 on a CryptoPunk. <laughs> but here's some interesting facts. CryptoPunks minted or launched, however you want to look at it, or went public on June 23rd, 2017 for free. Wow. For free. So you didn't have to pay a dollar... Or, which by the way, in, in crypto and NFTs, we don't pay in dollars. We pay in like a cr- digital currency. So like NFTs is on Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Ethereum is the second biggest cryptocurrency after Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I remember I fell in love with Ethereum years ago and I started buying it with $7. I mean, the, oh, wow. the highest price, uh, I think it was like 2,500 recently, mm-hmm. a, 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 a token, a, a coin. Right. Um, the cheapest right now in a bad market, we're in a bloody market all around, right? Right. Forex, crypto, stocks. Gas, bacon, baby formula. We're at the worst ever, right? Right. FJB. But anyway, I had to put it out there. <laughs> uh, the cheapest CryptoPunk that you could have gotten for free, if you someone told you about it, someone sent you a link, your, your pal said, hey, get into this. There's something funky about a picture like trading baseball cards, right? Mm-hmm. The cheapest one you can buy today of a CryptoPunk is 65 Ethereum, which is more or less $71,000. Wow. Right now, in a horrible, bloody market. That's crazy. Board Ape. Yacht Club, which is the most co- most famous one. Everybody yeah. almost knows a little ape, right? Right, right, right. Why? Because Jimmy Fallon got one, Justin Bieber, I mean, mm. a bunch of celebrities. So there are, they, they did get pumped by celebrities. Board Ape, I missed out. Mm. I invested into NFT before Board Ape. So a couple of my buddies from back in the days called me about a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, uh, what's up? We moved to Vegas. Great. Uh, we're into NFTs. And I'm like, well, I know the term. Uh, I've been into crypto, so I kind of know the term. You know, it's like when you know things. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about it, but I know you guys all invest into it. So it's called PowerFan. It's a startup in, 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 in NFTs. Mm. I remember getting offered to buy a board ape at mint price, meaning at the beginning. Oh, wow. It minted in April of 2021, about a year ago. Okay. For 0.08 ETH, which, uh, well, today would be around, I don't know, man, 200 bucks. 300 bucks. 13. I don't know. It changes a lot, right? Whatever. Yeah. The cheapest board ape NFT you can buy right now is 88 Ethereum, which is around $100,000. The cheapest <laughs> one. That's crazy. In less than, well, in a little bit over a year, right? And then like that, we can go up on its samples. And, you know, you look at Bitcoin, you know, you're hearing a lot right now, right? On, on like, mm-hmm. oh, it's plummeting again. It's definitely a fraud. I heard of that four to five times. I remember the, the CEO of JP Morgan telling you, don't get into Bitcoin. Don't get into cryptocurrencies. They're a scam. 
And in the whole process, they were buying a lot of it. <laughs> right? right? Right, China's been buying and tanking the crypto industry. Well, the reason why governments, first of all, and financial institutions, at least the mainstream ones, don't want you to get into it is because any average person can make it. Mm-hmm. I know 18-year-olds in L.A., I've made millions, millions in this industry that I'm like, whoa, these kids don't even know how, some of them don't even have a driver's license yet. Yeah. Right? They want to buy a Rolls, but they can't. Right? <laughs> now, it is true something. I do want to say, I mean, this is kind of a, a techie industry. Like NFTs, for example, it's like almost mostly gaming. Mm. And I was never into video games till now with my son, actually. I'm actually challenging myself a lot. In, in the NFT world, because the NFT is probably the one where I'm, I'm actually trying to catch up mm-hmm. with the younger generations. And I'm actually doing a lot of that myself, challenging myself by learning what my son likes now. Mm. Like playing video games. I was never really into video games. I mean, I was right. a nerd, but it wasn't like playing video games, right? So with my son, I'm actually trying to learn and adapt myself to learn what they do. But NFTs is mostly gaming. Mm-hmm. It started with gaming, a joke kind of thing. And then it blew up. But most people, you got to understand value, right? Value is not necessarily... There's things that have value to certain people. Why is a certain Louis Vuitton bag worth so much, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think I would even pay 100 bucks for that just because I don't like it. I mean, that's just not right. my thing. I'll, you know, I love cars, but I don't like bags and clothing. You know, that's just not my thing. Yeah. But there's people willing to pay that much mm-hmm. for a limited release watch of whatever or a limited release, right? So it's the same concept, mm-hmm. right? Some people are attracted to an NFT because of the, the quality of the picture. Mm-hmm. People that are into art into like things like that. Some others are attracted to it because of the utility, the access, the limited access is going to give you. Some others just really want to go to yacht, a yacht party, right? Right. And, ha- and possibly be hang out with Justin Bieber or whoever, you know, there's a bunch of people that own a board ape. Um, it's different things that make you into it, but there's a lot of technology to it. And it's pe- people that, I mean, Instagram or Meta, Facebook, Twitter, they're all adopting NFTs. In fact, soon, in my opinion, maybe in a, in, a, in a soon as a year or two, literally every time you open up your Instagram app, your Facebook app, your Twitter app, blah, 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 even TikTok, in my opinion, um, or Snapchat or whatever, it's going to be like profile icons, not of yourself anymore. No profile photos. It's going to mm. be an NFT, wow. your favorite NFT. Hands down, guaranteed. And if it doesn't happen, whenever that happens, bring me back and call me out on it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I have a couple of questions because you dropped so many nuggets. I know, I'm sorry, so much information. No, but, but I think one of the things is that you mentioned is that you, you invested into crypto because of the concept, kind of like the fact that it's not regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for me, I, I, you said one of the biggest regrets is that you could have bought, you know, even Bitcoin at, at, at a much cheaper price. And I think about experiences in my lifetime where I'm like, I could have been a billionaire because, for example, mm-hmm. I remember buying stock in Apple before the very first iPhone came out. It was just the iPod. And I was like, man, I like this concept of a phone now mixed with you know music. Let me, let me invest some money into it. But my mistake was, oh, man, I made $15,000, which at the time I was 18 years old. <laughs> I was like, buddy. yeah, it's like. Oh, okay, it's not real unless I cash out. Mm-hmm. If I would have left that in there, it'd be worth tens of millions of dollars right now. I love that because don't you think I would have want to bought Amazon early or blah 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 or many so many others, right? Tesla, whatever. Um, I bought some Lucid when it came out, um, but you know the new electrical car. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. That's the same with these concepts. Wouldn't you had wanna be 
one of the first few Instagram accounts offered out there. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into Instagram right at the beginning. I didn't get into MySpace. I didn't create my MySpace right at the beginning. I keep them in my MySpace, right? <laughs> or, or Facebook or whatever. Or TikTok. I still haven't got into TikTok. I missed out. Yeah. There's only so much time you have, right? Obviously. Right. But yeah, I agree. And, and that's the same with crypto. Like, I've lost a lot. I've also lost a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. I've regrouped from them and gotten better for the future mm. because I do legitimately believe this is all that is going to be talked about. This would be your life. Just like that first iPhone that was horrible, mm-hmm. that had no battery, that was so expensive when <laughs> Steve Jobs announced it. Right. And now it's a part of our daily life. It's everything. If I take your iPhone or Android away, you are nobody. Right? Yeah. You'll be lost. You get crazy. You yeah. go crazy. If you take it away from the younger generations, there are things like that. They're nobody, right? We pay with it now. Yeah. Because I always find it interesting that people that question or make fun of like digital, non-tangible, touchable stuff, you use Apple Pay or pay with, with the app at Starbucks every day. That $10 coffee was more like $6, $7 coffee right away. You know, most people buy the expensive, fancy coffees. But if you invested that into Bitcoin... That's $7 12 years ago, and you're paying that every day and using technology, but you're not willing to even buy $20 worth of an altcoin? Mm. I mean, I can't help you there, right? Right. I've always, I mean, that's not a loss. I mean, that's not really a loss. $20 that you're going to lose? Come on, you spend that in a, in a bar tab. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like crypto is not mainstream now. Because let me tell you, I don't know if you're into crypto or you've bought any in your, ever or not. Mm-hmm. Have you? I, you know what? I, have, I, I own some crypto. But I feel that for the most part, I'm always late to the game. And I'll, okay. I'll tell you why I'm late to the game. Because I'm a very, as an accountant, I'm very analytical. Of course. So I'm like, okay, before I invest any money, and I love your concept, but what's 20 bucks? It's not going to do anything, which is now I'm going to apply that to my life. But I would always, I overanalyze things. And then by the time, okay, I'm ready to buy it. The price is overinflated. I'm buying it when it was, I should have bought it when I was, why didn't I act? Why? Because maybe... I didn't have enough information. Sure. Um, fear that I would lose my investment. <clears throat> so for you, how, how do you say, you know what? Is it just the fact that you're investing a small amount? Or, or how do you know, like, I'm going to jump on this? I think, I think I've changed. So it, it, I, I think crypto in general and crypto covers everything, right? Like from Bitcoin to all the other ones and NFTs and all that. That's what I consider crypto. I think it's, it's where I'll reference back what I said earlier. I think I started making more money when I started saying no. Because I was going all over the place and it's impossible. I remember having an alarm with my almost newborn in the bed at two, three, four, five sits in the morning because of the time zone differences on my Apple Watch, right? And waking up to do a trade on an ICO, which is back in the days was the equivalent of an IPO and so initial coin offering, right? Mm. Because not knowing much and I've lost tons of Bitcoins and money into those things. And most people today, that the OGs, as I call them, they'll remember the ICO days because a lot of them were scams. A lot of them were this. They were taking advantage of this big boom. But I never stopped trying, right? Mm. And I remember doing all that. But with the moment I also, I've missed out on so many too. Don't feel bad. I, I still miss out. But I realized I can't have them all. I also am trying to build a real business because I'm never going to stop building my, my, my company, right? Never. Mm-hmm. I see this as a like side investments, right? Like a lot of people get into real estate and, and things like that. And I'll do that too, right? A lot of people are just stocks and just stocks, stocks, stocks. And a lot of people do a lot of mutual bonds and different things that I don't know about a lot. Mm. But I said, crypto will be my thing. Mm. 
Mm. Like when you talk about like investments and like building passive income and my my, my real future retirement, or, you know, because there's not going to be no social security around for me back you know, right. down the road. It's crypto. I've decided it's going to be crypto. I've proven it. I, you know, I've messed up a lot. I think 99% of the things I've invested in have not turned out, but it's all about that 10%, right? Mm-hmm. So, but when you understand that, and I've also had to change. Like I said, I used to wake up and do the trading. Like, like all these things you see online about, oh, look at me, my graphs, and I'm a crypto for its uh, a millionaire. Most of them are scams, first of all, because mm-hmm. I've been around long enough. Most of them are bots or robots, you know, online. Most of them are fake accounts, and most people can't even differentiate them, right? Because mm. you need to have that fundamentals. Mm-hmm. But when you see that, what they don't tell you is trading is very difficult and very time consuming. If anyone tells you that you can do like part-time trading and really make a full-time income, I, I would question it. You can't. It's like any business. You will have to get into it 100%, right? Mm-hmm. I tried it, even in crypto. Um, for different reasons, it didn't work out, so I changed. So I did that for many years. Just the daily trading, things like that. I did the ICOs and all the things that happened over the years in, in crypto. And then the market crashed, like right now. I want to share this for everybody that, you know, freaked out or freaked out to try to get into crypto right now that times are tough. Mm-hmm. You talk to any successful person and you know this, Warren Buffett and things like that. The best time to invest is when buy the dip, right? Right. When it's low. Yeah. Period. I never stop buying. I don't even know the term. You might know it more. What, what's that term? There's two there's different ways to invest. Cost aggregated or cost adjusted. So there's mm-hmm. people that do trades, right? Right. And they'll invest $1,000 here when it's cheap, sell it when it gets to $1,500. You got a $500 profit, right? Mm-hmm. This is a general example. I'm more into long-term, right? Mm-hmm. So all I've been doing for years and will continue to do for years, don't get me wrong, I'll sell sometimes if it's a really good profit and then I'll trend that and grab it and do something else, of course. Mm-hmm. But I'm for the long-term. I have not stopped buying Bitcoin or all the other altcoins, as we call them, mm-hmm. Ethereum and many others that I can mention, since Coinbase. And, and you might know Coinbase because today, before when we, when we started into crypto, there was no Coinbase. <laughs> there was no Crypto.com app on your phone. Mm-hmm. It was very complicated, even for a techie guy like me, to get on an exchange. You know, like when you want to get into stocks, it's not hard, right? You download Robinhood, right? You, you go open a, a Merit Trade or whatever the, you know, I don't know the names anymore. You know, the Merrill Edge from Bank of America. You have an app and you do a trade, right? Right. It's pretty easy. It's not that hard, right? They asked the traders back in the days. Look, 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 look at back in the nineties. Everything by paper, and you got to go through a, a big firm and you mm-hmm. know, blah blah blah. Wall Street, right? Right. Then it became mainstream. Mm. Same with internet. You know how hard it was to buy a, a domain mm. back in the days. Now you just go to GoDaddy.com and you buy a domain right. for 10 bucks. It wasn't back in the days. Same with crypto. It was really hard to get on the exchange. Very complicated. It wasn't user interface, very friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've lost money by adding up the, the wrong decimal on a trade. <laughs> oh, God. And, 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 you know, and there's no getting it back, yeah. right? Yeah. But I never stopped. Mm-hmm. Now it's mainstream. But I remember when Coinbase started out of Silicon Valley. Now it's a you know multi-billion dollar company mm-hmm. that you can download the app and anybody can buy crypto now. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. But it was back then. So like when you wanted to get into something new back then, like today, today a new like like I'll give you an example when ApeCoin launched. So ApeCoin is the coin attached to board ape NFTs, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like let's say you start a company and then you launch different divisions of it, right? Mm-hmm. We do it that way. 
So when ApeCoin launched and my buddies were like, it's all, you know, only ApeCoin Ape board Ape holders are going to get a drop of coins because that's part of your benefit of being in the project, right? For mm -hmm. owning it. Mm -hmm. And they made millions out of it. But then it went to the public. I immediately, I don't know where I was at when my buddy told me. I just opened my phone, went to the Coinbase app, bought some ApeCoin. <laughs> Back in the days, that would probably take me half a day to do. I had to get to a computer, logins, different technical stuff. But then, you know, now it's mainstream. So now there's really no excuse. There's really nothing stopping people from, like I said, investing 20 bucks, $100 mm -hmm. into whatever Bitcoin and just let it sit, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I did change. Now, because I'm growing, I'm building a business, my actual company, I got other things, right? I'm a dad. I'm, I mean, I'm different things, right? Mm -hmm. There's only so much time in, in the day. Right. Um, I'm just doing long-term buying, long-term holding because I've seen what it can do. I've been through these times where it's, Oh my gosh, it tanked. Bitcoin's going to hit 10,000. Good. I hope it does so I can buy more. <laughs> because every single time, I'll give you a quick example, okay? Because yeah. I know you like numbers. Yeah, yeah. And see, it's funny because you would be great at crypto. You could do what I can't do and I refuse to do. Study the charts, the numbers. Oh, I, I hate that. <laughs> see, I know that I'm weak on that. Yeah. Very weak. But I refuse to get better at it because I'll find good people on it. Yeah. But I'm more of patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I used to buy stocks or forex. I based everything on world events, mm. politics, what affects what, because that's what I was good at. That's what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. So that's how I base my investments. And then obviously I do get some numbers, right? Basing numbers. Yeah. But Bitcoin in 2010, I mean, 12 years ago, mm -hmm. right? It was 0 0.09. It was nine cents. <laughs> I mean, come on. And there's been dips, huge dips and crashes in between, right? Yeah. In July of 2011, so not even a year, a little bit over a year after, okay, it the price dropped to two dollars from 29 to two dollars, right? Mm -hmm. But you got to remember, I mean, crypto is so volatile; it's even more than the, the stock market. So when people talk about it, it's always up and down, yeah, it's been like that since the inception. Yeah, if you study the graphs, you would know that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you fast forward, it, it rose to 230 dollars by April of 2013. So there was that big gap of it died, right? Mm -hmm. You weren't making money unless you knew how to trade you know, cents on a dollar, right? Mm -hmm. Then down again, down again. Anyways, long story short, 2017, May 2017, right? 2000, around $2,000 a piece of Bitcoin. It mm -hmm. cost you. Then skyrocketed to $19,000 where all the media was talking about it. People mm -hmm. mortgaging their homes and putting everything into Bitcoin by December of 2017. March 2020 dropped again to 7000 all the way to $7,000 down. Went up again $29,000, you know, after Joe Biden got, you know, uh, elected. Then again, we're talking now the new thing now everywhere in the media is, you know, we dropped all the way to almost, you know, what, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars And I'm like, you know what? The same thing's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know when, I don't know how, but it's going to reach a hundred thousand. I know a Bitcoin is going to reach a quarter of a million dollars. I'll bet money on it. Wow. Period. <laughs> but then guess what? That's, I'm not, I missed out on Bitcoin. Yeah. I missed out on Bitcoin but I'm not going to miss out on the altcoins because they all follow through. Mm. And we're talking about Ethereum. I was a big believer on that. It's the second biggest one. Mm -hmm. It's the one that kind of started NFTs. I remember buying at $7. It already hit 2000 and I know it's going to hit 40, 50,000 and there's more under them, right? Mm -hmm. Just cause you missed out on the first ones, right? Doesn't you have to miss out on the next ones. If mm. you really want to, you just learn mm. like, you know, stocks. <laughs> gotcha, man. I, I love it because you know, it, it, I don't remember the years that you just mentioned. Yeah. But I just saw a commercial by Coinbase that said uh, 2017, crypto is dead. 2019, crypto is dead. 2022, crypto is dead. 
Yet, it keeps just going higher. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Yeah, when, yeah. When, when people, I don't even get into it with people anymore because I'm like, first of all, you're not even paying me for my advice. You know, but when they say, oh, look at all these drops. And I'm like, look, you don't even need to know that much. You don't even know how to study graphs. You're at a point back then, man, we were worried. We don't have no patterns to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Now you do. Right. Right. It's always, when it's gone down dramatically, it always, 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 always comes back, no matter how long it takes, much higher. Period. Yep. Right? Period. Yep. If not, it wouldn't be around. Right. And with that being said alone, in my opinion, that's enough for any average person, especially young people, when they have the advantage of knowing more than tech, probably than me, and social media, to not ignore it. You can, like I said, you can buy crypto on Robinhood. Everybody has Robinhood, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt you to have it. And then you should learn more about safety because that is a big deal in crypto, right? Safety, almost if you don't know a lot of basics, you will lose it, right? Mm-hmm. And I love what you said about Coinbase talking about that because a lot of people today, friends and people I post things on and they ask me for advice and I try, you know, giving advice, but they say, oh, look at Coinbase. They're about to lay off, uh, I don't remember, 1,100 employees. Yeah, man. So it's like oil companies. Because they have an actual building, you know, where they run the operation from. And everybody's laying off people right now because of the economy and, you know, everything, your gas prices. Doesn't mean it's going away. Mm-hmm. Tesla is also laying off a bunch of people. Yeah. Are you not going to buy Tesla stock when it drops? Because I sure would. <laughs> right? Yeah, 100%. You, you, you got to look at those things, right? It's, it's yeah. not an economic thing. And I always say economies, markets, you want the readjustments. Mm-hmm. I want to see, personally, I want to see the housing market bubble that we built up because of the pandemic and all this money pumped up p- printed and pumped by the government um this man-made pandemic uh, <laughs> and i have a lot of story i can take it i mean politics okay yeah it's not just a meme but i've seen it i witnessed it i, I have dealt with it right but you i want to see that 20 to 30 percent drop because i see economies markets like a volcano right mm-hmm. if an active volcano has not erupted in a very long time. And you ask people in Hawaii, they'll tell you and things like that. And, you know, in Colima, Mexico, we have an active volcano. That's why I know that. <laughs> you should worry. Yeah. Because when it does, it's going to be bad. Yep. You want it to have those eruptions every now and then. Mm-hmm. Or, or earthquakes. I'll compare it to earthquakes. Right. You want to have those readjustments. Mm-hmm. Right. And the best time to make money, again, is when it's sales, clearance. Yeah. Right. And, and I love also what finally what Patrick Devi, Bad David, and I never looked at it this way, by the way, this, this big worldview on, on business. I think we've had a lot of non-efficient, not, uh, you know, negative income producing companies in America mm-hmm. that have been just getting corporate welfare and getting by. And some of them need to go away and make room for the new ones. Mm. Sounds cold, but that's how it works. Right. There has to be a reset. Right. Right. Bill Gates was having too many billions, man. I don't really like <laughs> Bill Gates anyways. You needed the Elon Musk to climb up, right? Yeah, yeah. And then there's going to be a new guy, and Elon Musk is going to be irrelevant. Right. Right? Right. But you need those... Re- I'm using that example because, you know, people know those names. But you need those that reset. Oh, yeah. Because this is the only country in the world, in my opinion, where it's always consistently... Wealth is going around for anybody, mm-hmm. right? You can be a billionaire today... 10 years from now, you're a nobody that lost it because of life and just mistakes like all of us. And they'll give you an up, up, up and coming guy or your employee's going to be worth more than you 20 years from now. <laughs> Seriously, you yeah. look at every, almost every other country, every other country, actually, at least second and third world, Latin American countries. You can't do that. 
It's just passed on by the same conglomerates and monopolies. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you can't really succeed if you have a great idea, right? Right. Because the system is not really free markets, mm -hmm. not really capitalistic system. But in this country, it's the only country where 10, 15, 20 year um, change in the economy will create new wealthy people, new ideas, new ways of doing things better, right? Yep. Hopefully, you know, maybe we'll see in 20, 30 years from now, Chase doesn't exist because they don't really chase what matters, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, there'll be a new, better way of doing banking because we all hate their traditional banks, right? Right. That's one example. Right. That's so awesome, Jesse. I mean, I love the <laughs> the long-term thinking, the, the the kind of vision, not just of your business, but the economy in general, man. That's, uh, that's so awesome. I think that if you catch on to trends, you jump on early, or if there's dips, you, you take advantage of those dips. I mean, you can just create generational wealth, not just for you, but for your legacy. So that's, I think you dropped so many nuggets there, but Jesse, I mean, tell me about, you know, obviously crypto is a big thing for you. Also NFTs, you got your, your business where you're creating, you know, a, a systematic knowledge. I can't remember if that's the actual term you use, but organized, knowledge. Organized, knowledge, organized knowledge, yeah, yeah. which I, you know, that is basically business in itself, which is what we do as well. We sell organized knowledge. I mean, there, there's just so many ways to create wealth. And I think that you've kind of captured a little bit in every aspect of, of the business where not just the, the business side, but also the investing side, which is pretty cool. But with that being said, where do you see yourself, Jesse, maybe in the next three to five years, what are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? I'm very excited. Uh, I'm, I know I'm going back to it, but I'm very excited to see what crypto and NFTs is going to do, because I'm telling you, man, let's just say NFTs, because I didn't want to miss out, right? Like you were mentioning the, the example of like the Tesla stock and things like that, mm -hmm. that we all regret, right? Everybody. I also have my regrets, right, in the, in, in the crypto and NFT industry. That's why when my buddies called me, I didn't even need to learn. I didn't even need to really study it. I said, let's do it. Because mm. the moment, this was before Meta became Meta. Mm. I mean, I invested into NFTs before Facebook changed to Meta and before I even understood this crazy reality that in not so long from now, it's not even going to be about a smartphone going to be about this goggles and this digital real uh, you know this digital world this virtual world but we are heading there sadly because i i think that's crazy <laughs> yeah. i like to go out and interact with people and, and and touch things too you know yeah yeah but that is the future sadly that's the future i yeah. see my son living in that you know going to a virtual subway you know and paying with virtual coins i mean it is what it is but i don't have to fully understand and agree with it to make money off of it right that's just right. how business works um but what i see is an nfts is a lot of them are going to fail. In fact, 90, and I, like, like, like a lot of the successful people that I do follow in that world that have been around since the 90s and 2000s, that have seen the trends more than I can, a lot of them are going to have to fail. There's going to be a lot of scams. There's going to be a lot of frauds. It's going to be like any new big industry, like the internet bubble, like the social media bubble. But I do foresee that you won't be able to go to a concert. Ticketmaster is going to be a thing of the past. Fandango is going to be a thing of the past, you know, for movies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You won't be able to go to a concert to a lot of things. It won't even be QR codes. It's going to be, you're going to have to access it through an NFT. <laughs> I'm not crazy. That's crazy. And man. I believe in it. No, I, that makes and, sense. and if I fail, I fail, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and so I, I foresee being able to finally catch on to an early trend mm -hmm. to the best of my abilities, to the best of my resources but still build my business. Because if one thing I did learn in business, like I say, you do have to eventually always reevaluate and say no and maybe be more laser focused on certain things instead of five, three things, right? Build those and then move on or mm -hmm. whatever. 
But at the same time, you have to be open-minded to that notion that that's how the new biggest trends start. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine how many people laughed for years to Elon for trying to create a battery-only car. Right. And we see them everywhere, and everybody wants them now, right? Right. It's the same for, like, crypto NFTs. But I also learned, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. I've learned that the hard way. Yep. That's why, also, I don't just built my consulting or my business, my actual company business that I want to build in 40, 50 years worldwide, mm-hmm. and I have that vision only myself, I also still invest. I might not invest into everything. I've chosen crypto and NFTs to be my investment risk management category, right? Mm-hmm. But also the common sense, the basics is never invest anything that you're not willing to lose. Am I willing to lose today, right now, 100% of everything I've invested? Yes. Am I going to cry for it for a long time? Probably. But <laughs> am I willing to? Yes. I'm right. not going to go mortgage my homes and, you know, sell absolutely every asset to buy Bitcoin when it hits 10000 To buy a bunch of Bitcoin. I'm not going to do that either. Right. Right? So you just got to measure your own risk. Right. And your risk tolerance or uh, willingness or whatever you can is different than mine. Right. And, and, and vice versa. And, and likewise, the more you risk... The more you can make, but the more you can lose, right? Right. Before I was, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I was like, you know, risking a couple hundred dollars. Now I'm risking a couple thousand, tens of thousands, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the zeros change, but the same thing, right? The ability to make more, the ability to lose more is always there. Right. So do I, I do strongly see myself finally being able to feel like fully accomplished. Like I see, like I talk to my friends that we've been through the ups and downs in the industry and the naysayers and the media and like we get mad, right? Because we're fundamentalists. We're like they don't want you of course to know it's like stocks and things like that because they don't want the average person to know these things that will make you better mm-hmm. right so we're, we're we're thinking to ourselves we can't wait till it's even more mainstream till it's even more accessible because it has changed people's lives around the world oh yeah third world countries right mm-hmm. it, it, it has changed a lot of people that didn't have a, a penny to rub together they made a killing because of luck and a combination of things in whatever bitcoin or whatever but a lot of them you got to keep following the story they've reinvested in the open businesses they, they they've invested into their economies they've started things right mm-hmm. and that's all well is created and continues to be created right new mm-hmm. industries develop new millionaires and new, new people and then you reinvest into it and then there's always going to be that wave so i i do finally three to five years from now i i i wish i could come back on your show a much bigger show right yeah yeah, yeah nationwide Right, that's that's the goal, right? Heck yeah! And share an update on, look, it we're there already. Mm-hmm. It's not questionable. It's like when stocks were iffy, mm-hmm. right? But now nobody questions really stocks, right? right. Like you're good at it, or you're not, right? I I, I want to see that in the cryptocurrency. I want to see schools and companies adopt almost everywhere the blockchain technology. Which, you know, if I strongly recommend if you're going to get into crypto or anything, first understand what blockchain technology is because it's amazing. It's so simple, but it's amazing. Banks have been using it. Some governments have adopted it to have safe and secure elections around the world. Venezuela, you saw they adopted Bitcoin, mm. right? Because their stuff failed. Their government made unlimited print stuff failed. Communist stuff failed. Mm-hmm. They're like, what the hell are we going to do now? Well, Bitcoin, crypto, <laughs> blockchain, right? But I do see it where it's going to become a normal thing in your day-to-day life. Yeah. You know, I do see it where it's not going to be debit cards and credit cards giving you uh, a percentage back. It's going to be other things. 100%. Sounds crazy, but that's just how I see it. 
Yeah, man, I, I, I'm excited for the future. I, I can definitely see that for sure. And I think that anyone who is not willing to accept that is probably living in a third world country because yeah. this is where we're headed. So might as well accept it and, and, and just research it and become knowledgeable. And, and obviously, if, if they, if they want to know about, more about it or if they want to just partner up with you in any way, your Instagram handle is at Mr. Entrepreneur jr jr so at mr entrepreneur jr you can reach him on instagram and i do want to say i um i've been told and and i've had requests for a couple of years now especially in my community people i grew up with to to start trying to host information or try to do workshop or things on like crypto and nfts a lot of people have asked me i always hesitated because of time and also because you know how it goes like when you give advice whether it be free or not doesn't matter you know it's like it's like, it's like most people that go to a seminar or have a shelf help book, right? You know, you know that book that's carrying dust in your, right? You know, but you never really apply the knowledge. You think just by reading it, you're gonna get rich overnight, right? We, <laughs> we all know that, right? Right. And then you always get that. Well, you, I should have known this, should have known that. It's always debated. Do I invest time to try and teach people stuff? Not because I'm selfish. No, like I try to teach a lot of people, but there's always those people, right? That like it doesn't work out the first time. You know what I mean? They're you know like your clients that don't listen, but mm -hmm. then they blame you, right? That's how I see it. But the more and more I've been thinking this last like two years especially this year because of NFTs, I've decided that I am going to get back into doing some type of, whatever you want to call it, coaching, training, some type of stuff to bring knowledge on crypto and NFTs. Because one pattern I have noticed, now that I've exposed myself in the industry bigger, it's predominantly dominated by big cities, right? Mm -hmm. So like most of the things, the new things, they hear about it first in big cities, right? Like right. a lot of the big people I'm involved with now, like they're in Miami, New York, LA, you know, you always have to go there. But it's always later that it comes to, to our communities. But I also see in some of these communities what crypto and NFTs have done to change like bad neighborhoods, to change bad schools, to change things like that. And if I can inspire one guy, one 18, 19, 21-year-old today who feels stuck in the school system, who feels stuck in college or whatever you want to call it, at home or whatever, and I can use crypto or NFTs to get them to think about entrepreneurship. I think that's my calling now. Mm. I just, and it's funny because I literally just had a talk with some friends of mine last week about this. Like, you know what? I've considered launching my own NFT projects other than just being an investor. And I've been involved partially as a partner with some of them, but my calling is young entrepreneurship because of what it did to me, mm. right? Personally. And what I think it could do to a lot of people is just like, I think a lot of young people out there that might be focusing on the wrong things can maybe refocus their energy, their skills in a, in a business idea, mm -hmm. in entrepreneurship. And I strongly believe because of how hot it is, NFTs in the younger crowd, mm -hmm. I, I think I have an impact on at least one person that's worth it. So I'm really considering launching like a NFT project, specially, specifically catered to non-urban areas, like your community type areas. Mm -hmm to promote young entrepreneurship. And I see that wedge between crypto NFTs and the younger crowd today. So something will be coming from that soon, my point. That, that's awesome, man. Organized knowledge, man. Organized knowledge. <laughs> hey, Jesse, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. You've dropped so many nuggets for all my listeners. I mean, I'm super excited for what's to come in the future, man. It's been, a, it's been an honor having you on as, as a guest on the show. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I hope this can grow into a bigger thing because... That's also one thing that I would pinpoint in my life, business, career, whatever, that I think is being able to listen to other entrepreneurs, learn from them, mm -hmm. having access to podcasts and, and videos. 
And I think that can make an impact on a lot of other people. So I think I could help. I want to help and grow this. Awesome, man. Appreciate you, man. Well, thank you so much for having me.